This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We'll now read from the Bible, the main text that uh, Brother Nick will be talking about in the sermon. Can I now invite our sister Samantha to read Luke 17 for us? Hi everybody, um, please take out your Bibles. If you don't have one, you may refer to the projection. And today's reading is from Luke chapter 17, verse 1 to 19. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Okay. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant blowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't you rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done a duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. For those of us who have been on holidays this past month, it's great to be on holidays because we haven't done that in a while. It's great to be home and it's great to be gathered together here on the Lord's Day. Okay, let's pray. Living God, help us to so hear your word that we may truly understand that by understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honour and glory in all we do through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, have you been not good enough? So there is circuit breaker, I hurt my shoulder. Here's what happened is, uh, we were, uh, my kids were doing YouTube exercises to keep them uh, active, right? But, so I was, I was doing it together with them. But I thought, hey, this exercise is a bit too simple. So what did I do? I went to carry one of my children and I did the exercise. 
Yeah. So that injured my shoulder. Now, after that, my shoulder wasn't good enough to do lots of the basic things. I, my shoulder wasn't good enough to wear my shirt. I couldn't lie down on my side. It was too painful. I couldn't even carry my backpack. Yeah, I couldn't do all these basic things. It was all, my shoulder wasn't good enough. Now it's lots better now, uh, thank, thanks to the physiotherapists and, and the medical experts we have at BTPC. Uh, it's good enough. Uh, so, but I won't, I won't carry my, my children to do any more exercises. Uh, maybe except run after the bus. Now, in our passage today, uh, Jesus tells us that sometimes being not good enough has very serious consequences. You see, in, at the end of verse 1, woe to those through whom they come. In verse 2, it will be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. It's very serious. So in our passage today, Jesus will tell us uh, what, what the issue is. He'll, Jesus will show us the commands uh, we can't keep. Then he gives us the solution in the faith we all need. And we'll end with the Lord we must thank. Okay, let's look at the first, first bit, the commands we can't keep. In our passage today, uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's in the part of the book of Luke where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to accomplish his mission, to die on the cross and to save his people from their sins. So on, his, on the way there to Jerusalem, Jesus is teaching his disciples uh, what, what it means to follow this Jesus. So our passage tells us something more about following this Jesus. Okay, let's see what it says. Verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, the things, the things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So what are these things that cause stumbling? Uh, this week, my, my child, one, one of my children fell, okay, they fall a lot, quite a lot because they run a lot. So they fell, they scraped their knees quite badly. They, they're very upset. It's very painful. But this is not what the stumbling that Jesus is talking about. The stumbling Jesus is talking about is a serious temptation, spiritual stumbling that causes someone else to be discouraged for following Jesus so discouraged that they might give up on following Jesus. And our passage today, Jesus says that it's impossible to avoid these stumblers. They confirm will come to conf- and they will try to stumble Christians. Sometimes they will succeed. Woe to them, Jesus says. And Jesus says they are cursed. In verse 2, it will be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones uh, to stumble. If someone I knew when he, uh, was a, became a Christian overseas, and when he was a Christian, young Christian, he happened to join a cult. Okay, he didn't know that. Okay, so what happened is uh, someone in that cult commit, committed a serious sin. So the church gathered to discipline this person. What they did is they brought this person to the swimming pool, they tied a heavy stone around his neck, and they threw him into a swimming pool. And before, but before the person drowned, the members jumped in and, and brought him out and said, this is what it is to stumble someone. Thankfully, uh, Andrew and I will confirm we will not do this here at BTPC. Okay. Yeah. So now, millstone is very heavy. They use this heavy millstone to, to smash, to crush, to grind grains into fine flour. In the Bible, there, there's an account where someone dropped a millstone from the top of the building and killed someone below. A millstone is very heavy. Now, imagine being tied to a millstone and thrown into the sea. 
You struggle with all your might to try to swim up to the surface, but it's no use because the stone is just too heavy. Then fatigue hits your arms, hits your legs, the lactic acid builds up, but you cannot give up swimming. Your lungs cry out to be filled, but you cannot fill it with the water that's all around. Friends, this is a horrible way to die. But Jesus says, there is a fate worse than this horrible death. And what is that? That is God's judgment. God's judgment after death. So Jesus gives us a picture of this in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So if you have a Bible, so you turn back uh, to Luke chapter 16, verse 23 to 24. In Hades, where he, the rich man, was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue, because I'm in agony of this fire. This place is so dreadful that a single droplet of water from wherever my finger can catch, that will bring immense relief. Now this serious judgment fits the crime. You see, Jesus is in the business of saving people. The stumblers are in the business of tripping up people, pulling people away from Jesus. Jesus is in the business of growing people, but stumblers are in the business of destroying faith. The stumblers are anti-Jesus. So that's why a death by drowning is far better than torture in hell. Okay, so this is the, 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 what, what Jesus wants to say about stumblers, but why tell us what's the purpose? Our clue, of, clue about that is in verse 3. Do you see what it says in the start of verse 3? So watch yourselves. So watch yourself. That means the stumblers are not the people outside. They're not people who don't believe in Jesus. They could be people like you and I. People who believe in Jesus. You and I can stumble Christians. You and I can lead people away from Jesus to cause people to become discouraged from following Jesus. Now this has happened to me. I have been discouraged. And I know I have discouraged other people too. I have stumbled people too. And I'm not saying, friends, I'm not saying that Christians must spend time in hell for all the times we stumble other people. Because God's word teaches us that Jesus pays for all sins when he died on the cross. But the passage here puts it very strongly. It tells us how serious it is when we stumble someone. There are two ways we can stumble someone. So first, by... Seduction. So maybe in the faintest of whispers, we seduce others, we plant the seed of doubt that will bloom, that will poison their faith. We turn people away from Jesus just by that little bit. And that's what the religious leaders did. So in chapter 15, verse 1, verse 2, they poured scorn on Jesus because they said, Jesus is the guy who hangs out with the sinners, with the tax collectors. Surely he is a sinner himself. No one should want to follow him. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be with the immoral Jesus. And friends, this planting of doubt, this seduction goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where the devil planted that seed of doubt into Adam and Eve's mind. The seed of doubt too, doubt that God is good. 
adopt God's good word to them. And this seed grew into full-blown rebellion against God. And sometimes, friends, you and I can act in line with the devil and stumble people with our words. Words laced with malice. Words tainted with pride. Words spiked with anger. And that's just our words. We can also stumble people with our actions. Or maybe in the hypocrisy of our lives. In real life or online. Or even in our text messages. We have discouraged our brothers and sisters in following, in following Jesus because we have been inconsistent. Our lives are inconsistent with our faith. And we have wrought destruction on those we call our brothers and sisters. So watch yourselves. Now that's a command that I know I can't keep. And what hurts me most about this is uh, the people I stumble, I have, is that I, I reflect back and I see how I have pulled them away from Jesus. Something will happen and Jesus commands us to watch. Watch yourself that it might not come from you. But if you watch closely, you might just see a list of people that you have stumbled with your words, with your actions. The stumbling is inevitable. And sometimes the stumbler might not know that he or she is stumbling you. So Jesus says in, verse, in the rest of uh, verse 3, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day, seven times a day comes back to you saying, I repent. You must forgive them. That's the second command we can't, give. we can't keep. We must forgive. Your brother and sister might stumble you. So the passage says we must correct them for them to turn back. The way to correct, the way we speak to them, the way we rebuke them, is to unleash our full wrath, our full fury on them. The way we do it is to help them turn back, to repent, to turn back to God. And forgiveness costs. See, forgiveness means that I must release the person from the hurt, from the anger that he or she caused me. Friends, forgiving once is hard. That's not a challenge in this command. The challenge, the difficulty in this command is to forgive seven times a day. Seven times a day. Now this means in one year, I must forgive this person 365 times seven. That's 2,555. What if there are 10 brothers and sisters I must forgive? What if there are 100 brothers and sisters I must forgive? So number, the number that I must forgive just keeps growing. So forgiving seven times a day isn't saying, oh, eight times, okay, you're out. No. Forgiving seven times a day is another way of saying, just keep forgiving. If my brother or sister, sister stumbles me and comes back to me for repentance, I just keep forgiving. Christians are not demons. Jesus died to save them. They are our brothers and sisters in need of grace. So we forgive them as our brothers and sisters. Yet, in our hearts, you see, offending us one time is enough to banish the other Christian out of our circles, out of our lives. And we think that person, well, that person is on the side of the devil. We will not pray for them. We will not serve them. We will avoid them at all costs. Message ministries, small groups, 
will then be on a different side of the room than that person. Because forgiveness, friends, is just so hard. So Jesus doesn't, and Jesus doesn't command us to do this one time, but seven times a day, just to keep forgiving. So Jesus gives us commands we can't keep. First, Jesus says it's impossible to avoid stumblers. Then he tells us, beware not to stumble, beware not to stumble others. Who can do that? Then Jesus commands us to keep forgiving the stumblers over and over again. Who can do that? These are commands that we can't keep. That's why we need faith. We need faith. Now, the, the disciples knew that they couldn't do it. So they thought the solution is more faith. So verse 5, they tell Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. But Jesus says, you don't need more faith. Look at verse 6. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Not more faith, but small faith. Last year, my family uh, went tree planting near our estate. When we got there, uh, the workers had already done the hard work for us. So they, they moved the trees from somewhere else and they transplanted it here. So, and before they did that, okay, they also have to, as you can see, right, they actually dunk the hole for us and then they put the transplanted tree inside. So our job is to go there, push the soil to cover the roots, water the plants, and then post and take pictures. <laughs> tree, tree, tree planting, oh, sorry, transplanting trees is hard work. So verse 6, you notice, very strange. So without using any tools, Jesus says that we can tell the huge tree. Okay, imagine the huge tree in the center of GBHQ. Maybe some of you can try this. Huh? You go to the huge tree and says, I command you, uproot yourself. And the tree uproots itself. And then after the tree, huge tree has been uprooted, we tell the huge tree to do the harder thing. I command you, sink yourself to the bottom of the sea and plant yourself in the bottom. Now, this will not happen. I, I'm quite sure of that. Now, faith isn't this special willpower uh, that, that they will accomplish, they will achieve anything you want. No. That's not what the Bible teaches us about faith. You see, no willpower can transplant trees. Faith is, the, is trust. Faith, is, faith in the Bible is trusting in the powerful God. So you see, the, the strength of the faith, the power of the faith, isn't in the faith itself. The power of the faith is who you place your faith in, who you trust in, who you rely on to save you. Now, faith in the great God can be as small as a mustard seed. So I checked Wikipedia. Wikipedia tells me that a mustard seed is between 1 mm and 2 mm. So this is a normal ruler that you will use in school. 1 mm and 2 mm is a, the smallest marking on, on this normal ruler. That is how small faith that we need to see, to, for God to work. To have great effect, the disciples don't need great faith. To have great effect, disciples, you and I, we need faith in a great God. Now, why do we need faith in a great God? We need faith to do the impossible, to keep the commands we can't keep. Faith to ask God to work in us, to love, 
to be concerned about the other person so much that we will not want to stumble them. And if they stumble us, we forgive them. You see, the power to watch yourself, the power to forgive, doesn't come from within you and I. Naturally, we don't care about someone else. Naturally, we don't care if other people are stumbled. And naturally, we only care that, that we don't lower ourselves before the other person and, and, and forgive that person. Jesus says, as long as you have faith in God, you can do the impossible, to do the thing Jesus commands. If you rely on God's way uh, to save you from sin through Jesus, then you are now just people and you can rely on God to work in you to obey Him. Working in you to trust Him in this. Now, this, this won't happen supernaturally. Like suddenly you can forgive everyone. No. As a kid's, kid's song goes, little by little every day, little by little in every way, Jesus is changing me. But little by little, Jesus is helping us to watch ourselves from stumbling others. Little by little, Jesus is helping us to forgive other people. So to watch yourself from stumbling, to forgive others who have sinned against you. That's this great effect that a little faith in Jesus has. Now, faith in Jesus means that you rely completely on Jesus, not on, nothing on yourself. So when we obey, when we successfully, or in some way, trust Jesus more, forgive other people more, then we, have to, then we can only say, humbly, I have only done my duty. So Jesus explains what humanity looks like in the next parable. Verse 7, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after a sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Or won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. So with the, with the disciples, Jesus is asking the disciples to imagine this. Imagine you were a master and you had a, a servant to, do, to, to help you at, to do your work at home, to do the planting. And that servant comes back. And dinner's not ready yet. What will you do? Would you, ask, would you prepare the dinner and then ask, invite your servant to eat with you? Or will you ask your servant, do your job? Prepare dinner for me. What do the people say? Oh, the people say, well, surely I will ask the servant to, do, uh, to, do, to prepare dinner for me. I will not eat with the servant. So in the same way, people, masters won't do, that for their, won't do that for the servants. They will ask the servant to prepare the meal for them. It, that's his job. That's his duty. And in verse 9, Jesus also adds, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So literally here it's, Will the master give the servant special favor because he did what he was told to do? The servant did a normal day's work. The master is under no obligation to give the servant any special favor. Well, like invite the servant for steamboat, uh, or mukata or Korean barbecue. No, he just did his duty. Then Jesus turns the parable around. So now instead of thinking of themselves as the master, think of yourself as the Servant. Verse 10. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So when Jesus' disciples have done everything they are commanded to do, they should be humble. We are not, we are not worthy for special honor for doing our, what, what Jesus commands to do. 
So we should be humble because we have only done our duty. And there's another reason to be humble. Okay, let me read verse 10 again and listen carefully as I reread it. So you also, when you have done everything you are told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Can any one of us here really say to God, God, I have done everything you ask. I have not stumbled anyone. I have forgiven everyone. Can anyone, can anyone say to God, God, I have fully and only obeyed your commands. I have fully and ob- completely done my duty. No, we can't. In this life, we will struggle to obey God. Some days will be better. Some days will be worse. Yet God is gracious to you and I, to undeserving you, people like you and I. And he lets us ask him for help, to rely on him, to have faith in him. To ask him to work in us, to obey him. So and when God does that, when God works in us to obey him, when we, when we start to, to watch ourselves, when we start to forgive other people, we can't boast to God. God, see, I am so righteous. I can, I can, I can forgive other people. No, we can't. We have to be. We have to remember we are his unworthy servants. We have only done what he has told us to do. We need faith in God, and we have only done our duty. So today we have heard we can't keep Jesus' command by our own. We will stumble. We we will stumble others. We will struggle to forgive. So we need faith in God. We need Him to work in us. And if we do obey, it's because God is working in us to do our duty. So our response is to be humble and our response is to be thankful. So that's what, that's what verse 11 and 19 is about. It shows us what thankfulness is like. In this, pas- in this passage, Jesus is still on the way to Jerusalem when 10 lepers met him. Now they, they are going through something that we're familiar with. They are going through quarantine, social distancing. So these 10 people... Uh, they, are, they have this skin disease. It's not, it's not the leprosy that we know today. There's some skin disease that's different from other people's skin. So they cannot be, they must be separate, they must be quarantined from God's people until they are well. So some of them could have had this for a long time. So some of, some of them haven't come up close, personal with, a person with normal skin. And some of them might have gone for years without hugging their family members. And worse, all of them cannot come to the temple to worship God. And these 10 people, they kept their social distance. In verse 13, they shout, they shout to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So Jesus asked them to show themselves to the priest. And as they went, a miracle happens. They were cleansed from their leprosy. And maybe at this point, nine people make their way to the temple. But Luke zooms in on one of them. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. The Samaritan. Jesus, sorry, Luke here hid the identity of this man until the very last word of verse 16. You see, the Samaritan, they are despised. They are like the disgusting people of society. These despised, outcast Samaritans, their ancestors have 
intermingled with the with the, the nations of the world. They married foreign wives, so their bloodline is not pure. So they are not allowed to come to the temple too. Yet it is this outcast Samaritan who returns to Jesus, praising God all the way. And he humbly prostrates himself, bows down before Jesus and thanked him. And in verse 17, Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So only this despised, unworthy foreigner returns to praise God. And verse 19 ends strangely. Verse 19, then he said to them, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now didn't the other nine get well also? Why did Jesus say, your faith made you well? That's because in this passage, Jesus is literally saying, your faith has saved you. So the rejected Samaritan was made well physically, but he was also made well spiritually because of his faith, because he relied on Jesus to heal him and save him. So Jesus healed him and saved him. Now how do we know this man has been saved? Because he returned with thankfulness. So friends, this passage ties up what we've seen so far. So this undeserving Samaritan is the one who has faith in Jesus. And because he has this faith in Jesus, he does the, the thing that the nine people couldn't do. He does the impossible. He returns, he knows he's not worthy, he returns to Jesus, praising God and thanks Jesus. Friends, if Jesus can save the outcast, the rejected Samaritan, then Jesus can save you. And you need to respond like the Samaritan. Rely on Jesus to save you. Now that's the Samaritan. But this passage has also a warning for you and I. Where are the other nine? The other nine saw the healing, but they ignored the healer. The other nine got the cleansing, but ignored the one who cleansed them. The other nine got the good, but ignored the God. Yes, they were healed. But they didn't have faith to praise God. They didn't have faith to thank Jesus. Those who have faith are like the undeserving Samaritan. Those who have faith praise God and are thankful when Jesus saves them. Because they know they are unworthy. They don't deserve for Jesus to do anything for them. Where are the other nine? I don't know. Friends, where are you with Jesus? Are you like that unworthy Samaritan? Or are you like the nine? Now friends, if you are like the nine, then remember, remember what this passage teaches us. Your, your ability to keep Jesus' commands, well, you can't do that. You have none of that. You will stumble people. You can't forgive. Remember that before Jesus, you are a sinner. You are not good enough. Then have faith in God. Trust in Jesus to be your God. Trust in Him to work in you that you may respond in humility, that you respond in thankfulness. And out of that thankfulness to Jesus, out of that humility to Jesus, you keep His commands not to stumble people and to forgive.
Friends, imagine what this would be like, what it would be like for all of us at BTPC to live out Luke 17, where our faith in Jesus permeates our relationships with God and our relationships towards one another. So to God, we thank Him for saving us through Jesus. We trust Him for power to obey Him. And towards each other, we are humble. We, tr- we do our best to help each other grow rather than tearing each other down. We forgive each other our sins uh, against each other. Friends, we don't need great faith. We only need faith in a great God. Let's pray. Now to the one who by the power I work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Nick, for the sermon. And you have heard it, right? Do not stumble, keep forgiving, and be thankful. Now, for reflection time, choose one of these uh, commands of Jesus to discuss. Uh, Talk to each other, discuss why this command is hard and how does faith help us. The second question you can uh, discuss is what will it take for BTPC to grow at preventing stumbling and increasing our ability to forgive? So take uh, about five minutes to discuss to with people on the left and right, and before we come back, All right? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.